You're listening to The Rush on News Talk 1010 Toronto. Hi, welcome back. Mark Tui in for Rush Minera. The clock on the wall says 4.35, so it's time for our Smart Speakers segment. Joining us uh, today, Faye Johnstone, co-owner and executive director of consulting firm Wisdom to Action, and Laura Babcock of Power Group Communications and host of The O Show. Merry uh, days after Christmas and before Happy New Year's to both of you. Uh, let's start with this one. Ac- not, well, academics, I guess one of them is an academic, but uh, certainly a health officials. Uh, Andrew Pipe, a clinical scientist, University of Ottawa Heart Institute. Uh, Vera Etches, Ottawa's medical officer of health. And uh, Rob Cunningham, a senior policy analyst at the Canadian Cancer Society. All calling on the federal government to impose a lifetime ban on cigarette sales to anyone born after 2008. Uh, basically, so people who were born after 2008 would never uh, be allowed to own cigarettes uh, legally, something that uh, the New Zealand government tried to do in 2021. Then Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern uh, introduced something. Everybody thought, ooh, that's a, that's a smart idea. And then uh, New Zealand didn't actually ever do it. And the new government that succeeded her is uh, never going to do it. Um, I think it's a cute idea, Laura Babcock, but I think politically it can't work. And I just think banning things is not the way to go. I mean, this is a substance that everybody used to smoke when I was a kid. Now, very few people do. I think it's already moving the right direction. What are your thoughts? We don't seem... Oh, there, there you um, are. Yeah. You know what? I was just talking to the teenagers in my house just as we were coming on the show about this. Listen, it is... Uh, teenagers have access to everything, you know, and in a way that we couldn't have imagined in our generation, Mark. I mean, they can get everything online, right? From anyone, anywhere. So there is some thinking to the, you know, why ban something? It's not going to stop them anyway. But in this particular context, when you look at how much damage and how much cost is associated with nicotine products in Canada, it is the single biggest cause of disease, right? Uh, it costs a tremendous burden to our healthcare system. So I think think rather than just looking at this and saying, yeah, cute, it's going to be difficult and probably won't solve the problem. I think we need to look at it and say, okay, what what step in the solution is this? And what problem are we trying to solve? Are we trying to get a generation to not be nicotine addicts like I was at one time for many years? The heart, One of the hardest things in the world to quit is smoking. We all know this. Uh, can we keep a generation from having access to this thing because it really is so bad? by putting out a campaign like this, maybe, maybe it will just be part of a shock to a system that we need to have. So I'm not about to rule it out as a possibility. I think we should move towards any banning of nicotine products for kids that we can possibly figure out how to do. Faye Johnstone, uh, so we're going to ban cigarettes, but it's legal to smoke weed. It's legal to take hard drugs in British Columbia. Toronto wants to legalize every (laughs) uh, drug going. It just seems like we're spinning around in circles. People don't stop doing things just because they're illegal. You know, I have to I have to play the I am a I'm going to be the disgruntled smoker on the call today. And I never play this role. I don't like to play this role. Uh, but, you know, I, I understand. Right. Like we, we need to reduce smoking by every means possible. We need to, you know, address a whole range of health issues that are caused by smoking. Uh, but a ban just is not the way to do it. Uh, If you ban cigarettes, illegal cigarettes are going to pop up all over the country in an instant because folks who smoke use them with great frequency. If we want to talk about addressing smoking, you know, I I Googled before, like when I saw this uh, episode or this this story, I Googled 
I know Google search doesn't mean an evidence base, <laughs> you know, but what are the, the populations with the highest rate of smoking? Largely, those are ones that are more likely to live in poverty, have struggles with mental health, uh, are LGBT as another issue or otherwise are a veteran. So folks who are clearly coping with something. And we need to support those folks, have more programs to get folks off of cigarettes and towards healthier things. But a ban just isn't going to do it. It just looks good to say we should do this. But we know that criminalizing things doesn't actually address the problem. It shoves it under the rug. And but we're not talking about a full ban for people, all those categories you spoke of who absolutely deserve way more supports in the system with mental health and, and poverty reduction and moving out of homelessness. I mean, I'm with you a thousand percent. Uh, we're talking about kids. We're talking about people born after a certain born by a certain year. We're talking but, but about, you're not. You're talking about kids who are going to be adults so, at some point. We're talking about trying to, it's not a ban for everyone, and I don't, and don't conflate it with, it's not a ban for everyone. Let's just No, be it's specific. a ban forever for everyone born after 2008 is what they're arguing right, for. So you'll be 50 and away. still banned from cigarettes. It, but it's not taking it away from people now who are 50. So let's just be, let's just be precise with what we're talking about. What was introduced was a way of saying, is it possible that there can be actual generations of people who are not getting this incredibly toxic, deadly thing easily given to them and yes if you ban it there'll be some illegal stuff out there there's already the vaping situation where they can still get the tobacco products that has to be included in any kind of approach to some sort of a ban for a product for young people and let's face it education goes with all of these things I've never once said just ban something and that's going to work you need to have the educational programs with it you need to have the mental health and the health care supports and the supports for people who are living in poverty and other marginalized populations but this is not a bad idea on its face to try to prevent people from getting this toxic drug in their systems that causes our health care more than anything else. Yeah, I think the challenge, though, is that, uh, one, I don't think it's ever going to be constitutional, but I think what is working is whatever we've been doing in terms of education and warnings and all that kind of stuff, because so few people smoke now compared to when I was a kid to when you were you were younger, as you were saying. So something is already working. And it's not my uh, prime video account. I've got uh, three minutes I want to get into this, because this, you know, smoking, you can take it or leave it. But when you want to put ads into my Jack Reacher on Prime Video, I have to say that is a line too far, Faye Johnstone. Amazon announcing February 5th is the day that they're going to start putting ads. It feels like we're just recreating a cable network television all over again. And the whole point of cutting the cord and creating streaming services was to get away from that stuff. Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, I had my parents, uh, you know, we had a family Netflix for a long while that we shared across all of us. And they, they got rid of it late recently. And I tried the cheaper option where you get those ads thrown in. And I hated every, every second of it. It felt like YouTube. It ruined the experience. I do not want... I understand these streaming companies, they need to make more money. They got to cover their bottom line, all that good stuff. But I do not want more ads. Um, and I will absolutely pay the extra couple dollars in this context to avoid. Yeah, it's, uh, Laura, I think that we're, I, 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 I picked Netflix because I couldn't afford my cable bill. My streaming bill is now the equivalent of what my cable bill was, uh, and they're still not making money, so they got to find new revenue streams. Uh, but I, I want to go back to a one streaming service world where everything is there, and I'll pay for one. 
Well, I mean, that kind of concept, right? Maybe some sort of a bundle or some sort of uh, when you really go through all your streams and decide which ones are redundant, which ones you never even look at. I was listening to a, another expert on the station talking about this recently saying that, you know, people when they're cutting costs now are figuring out how to cut their service, their streamer services by the month and then get back on when there's a particular show dropping that they've been waiting for. But in other words, as consumers, we have to get a lot more careful with this. And, and the idea of letting us feel like there was a commercial free world out there there. Uh, that was always just a fantasy to get us hooked on these streaming services. There's nothing in this world that doesn't cost and isn't going to be paid for. And the fact that Faye said that they're happy to pay the difference, right? I mean, that's the point, uh, is that they got us addicted to the idea of a commercial free world and we'll pay anything not to have to see that crap in the middle of a show. It's another addiction. We should just ban it. No television for anybody. We'd all be Nobel science, you know, prize winners if there was no Netflix. Uh, we are going to take a short break. We'll be back with uh, more smart speakers. Faye Johnstone is with us. Laura Babcock is with us. My name is Mark Tui and for Rushmi Nair. When we come back, the leader of Canada's new Democratic Party made a promise today that I'm betting no one believes he will ever keep. Yeah. We'll find out when we return and how to teach your kids about money. I can tell you I did, uh, I tried some of these things and it didn't work for me. But maybe that's because I have no money. So clearly I don't know how to manage it. We'll uh, get to the bottom of all of this. Plus uh, it's 2024 almost. And why are people still having problems getting time off from work for mental health? Shouldn't we be better at this by now? It's uh, The Rush on News Talk 1010. You're listening to The Rush on News Talk 1010 Toronto. Hey, welcome back. Mark Tui in for Rush Me Air. We are in the midst of our smart speakers panel with Laura Babcock of Power Group Communication and host of The O Show. Faye Johnstone is here, a co-owner and executive director of consulting firm Wisdom to Action. Faye, let's start with you, a pro-Palestinian uh, uh, group that has been protesting, uh, oh, these many weeks, including on Saturday in downtown Ottawa, uh, were ticketed on the weekend with three tickets worth $490 each for exceeding a noise bylaw because they were using uh, bullhorns and megaphones on a public space and sidewalk. Uh, the city says they were warned that they couldn't do this a couple of times before tickets were issued. They say they're being unfairly treated. I have zero sympathy for them. What do you say? I, I have a lot more empathy, in all honesty. You know, I have been to and led many a protest and I get it. Like a lot of us, we don't enjoy it, um, but it's meant to disrupt our days and make us pay attention to something that others might imagine as, you know, worthy of civil disturbance. Um, I think it's also ironic. You know, I, I live in Ottawa. Uh, I went through the uh, convoy occupation of our city uh, where it seemed like folks could get away with all kinds of things. And now in this context, the police are seemingly very quick to put forward some tickets here. You, you think know, maybe I, they again, learned something? The noise else? is not absurd, right? Like this is somebody marching down with a megaphone or a microphone. This is temporary, it's time limited, and it's not a disturbance worthy of a ticket. But people complained, Faye, that uh, the police were too slow to act, and then the police uh, with the uh, the so-called truckers protest, I don't know what we're calling it now, uh, but it, was, <laughs> it lasted a long time, it was very noisy, and uh, people had their bank accounts seized by the government. So I, I think these guys are getting off pretty light. 
But there's a very big difference between truckers who are leaning into those horns to a degree that is, I, I believe, is one of the uh, plaintiffs in, in one of the many cases alleges like they could damage your hearing. That's very different from a microphone. Laura Babcock, uh, the police uh, in the city warned them and said, you can't do that or we'll give you tickets. And then they gave them tickets. Uh, I, I, I think justice has been done so far. Well, I was going to say, did they leave or did they camp for three weeks and scream? I mean, like, so first of all, it's ironic that Ottawa is is all like, ooh, we're all on these tickets after that absolute mess of an occupation we all witnessed. Uh, so now they're in the process of ticketing protesters. I hope they ticket all protests. I hope they have an exactly fair thing, regardless of which group it is. As long as no one is promoting any kind of hater violence, I think if everyone's going to get ticketed for having a bullhorn at a, at a protest in Ottawa, then that's got to be absolutely clear and it's got to be done across the board mark and so what i'd like to see in this situation given that the one of the protesters who said they were shocked said you know we didn't do anything different than the last 10 weeks so why now i think that's a conversation that the ottawa police should sit down and have with them and they should say this is why now you know we, we warned you earlier maybe you thought if you did the same thing as the last 10 times it wasn't going to be a problem but obviously it is a problem so here's why here's the volume here's the length here's everything that the city of Ottawa is now going to enforce for every single protest that dares to speak about things in our nation's capital. And if it's fair and across the board and they understand, do it again, get the tickets. Uh, but right now, this doesn't need to escalate. This is just a conversation that has to happen. And the city of Ottawa has got to be clear about it going forward to everyone. Yeah, no, I think if, you, if that's where the line is and you've warned them, then they, they continue to cross it, they get a ticket. And if they had done that type of policing from the get-go, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, we probably wouldn't have had all the issues that we had there. Um, I, I'm happy to see the police doing things. And I would argue that a lot of these protests are full of nothing but hateful speak and calling for the violence against other people. But that's another conversation for another time, which we've probably had 17 times already on the radio station, so we don't need to go there. Uh, uh, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh Faye Johnstone is ruling out the possibility of forming another coalition government with the Liberals if the next election comes and goes and there's still no party with a clear majority. He's not going to do what he did last time. This is the kind of thing that politicians always say before elections, and then they seem to forget every time after an election. Uh, I just don't put any stock whatsoever in this kind of a promise, do you? You know, I think it's strategically the right thing to say, and it's the smart thing to say. Uh, the NDP need to show themselves as a distinct option and not just as those folks who hang out and keep the liberals in government. I think it's important to note, like, the, the things that the NDP have helped push to have delivered by the current government. And so I actually am a, a fan of these kinds of agreements, and I like the modeling of, you know, bipartisanship and all that good stuff. Uh, but I think he doesn't have another option. It's the right thing to say because he needs to show the world, show Canadians, uh, that he is standing up for his vision of Canada, not one with an asterisk under Trudeau's name. Yeah, uh, Laura, I mean, I think Faye's right. I think this is politics. He, Jagmeet Singh can't say anything different any more than Trudeau can say, yeah, I'm thinking about quitting. 
Of course, uh, you know, and so uh, I don't think it means anything. It's just an exit interview at the end of the year. Of course, you're going to say that. And the Trudeau government doesn't look like if it mean if it gets a minority, it certainly doesn't look like it's going to be in a majority position. Um, but Jagmeet will figure out the tea leaves once once he can see them, right? Once once the coffee or the tea is brewed. For right now, though, I think that he should be talking more about what they did achieve through this deal to phase point. Uh, it's kind of impressive. They got a number of measures in place and. Uh, it makes Jugmeat look like not just the party of conscience, but the one that knows how to negotiate within a parliamentary system to get things done. Uh, so he should be talking more about that and less about a future promise he can't maintain. Almost done. I don't think anything's actually been delivered yet, but I don't see any reason why it won't be in the new year. Uh, well, he's measure on a few important things, though, right? And like I don't think he's good at, well, they're moving on pharmacare, are they hasn't not? hasn't happened. But moving on it, yeah. moving the ball down the field, right? Yeah, but you don't get um, you don't get a you don't get a point I think for so. moving the ball. You get a point for crossing the goal line. So yeah, I'll wait until it happens. Anyway, uh, crosstalk is difficult with uh, some of us on Zoom, and uh, we are almost out of time, but there's a story that we sent you saying uh, in, by 2024, it's still hard for employees to get time off or accommodations from their employers for mental health issues. Uh, Faye Johnston, I kind of think most of the problem here is that there just aren't a lot of resources to help people with mental health still in 2024, no matter how you get it. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I am a social worker. I have a back background in the mental health system. Um, you know, we underfund mental health like nobody's business. And I think a lot of our, uh, you know, a lot of companies, a lot of uh, organizations have have learned the right lingo, right? They'll put out a statement around the importance of caring for your mental health, but we need to follow through with these kinds of supports because I think we often think we've come further on the, the mental health crisis than we actually have. And it's everyday folks who are suffering because we're not taking action and we're not treating mental health as the health that it is. Laura Babcock got 60 seconds. Do you want to say anything on this one? Yeah, I think it's both um, not just setting out the vision and the policy, but actually following through and not punishing people for taking the mental health breaks or the leave or, or losing promotions or being taken off projects, things like that, right? So you can say something all day long, but if the leadership of the organization doesn't live those values and if the people who take advantage of those programs for their own health get punished in some way, it's not going to work. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Laura Babcock, Faye Johnstone, so much. Uh, so thank you. My God, my mouth just isn't working today. Thank you both so much for joining us on uh, Smart Speakers. I'm going to try to uh, get my lips unstuck and come back with you at the uh, beginning of the next hour. And we will have, uh, well, I'm saving the best for last. Let's put it this way. Other than the Smart Speakers, that was pretty good. 